Spreading happiness is the life goal of my guest on this episode of Reflecting on Achievements. This is the story of how Getting Knocked Back inspired a mission that led to Happy Limited, the company empowering workplaces to be happy and productive, the Happy Manifesto, the book which is transforming organisations, and in the planning, the Happy MBA. Henry Stewart talks to me, Shona Blackall, about his life journey so far. Welcome to Reflecting on Achievements, inspiring conversations with fascinating individuals from a wide range of professions, brought to you by The Brian App. Brian, supporting your goals and aspirations. Download from mybrian.app today. My guest today is Henry Stewart, Chief Happiness Officer of Happy Limited. Henry founded Happy Limited in 1987 after being determined to find out what would create a productive and happy workplace. Happy has been awarded Best UK Business for Customer Service by Management Today and Best in the UK for Work-Life Balance by the Financial Times. In 2011, Henry was added to the Thinkers 50 Guru Radar, being identified as an influential thinker who will shape the future of business. Prior to Happy, Henry was part of a team looking to disrupt the media industry with News on Sunday. Although News on Sunday was not a success, it sculpted his innovative thinking and set him on a path to trailblaze happiness within the workplace. Henry is the author of The Happy Manifesto, shortlisted for CMI Business Book of the Year, which is the definitive guide for anyone who wants to transform productivity loyalty and innovation within their organisations. Outside of his professional life, Henry is a passionate cyclist, having completed the L'Etape du Tour and the seven-day Haute Route. Henry, it's a pleasure to have you on our Reflecting on Achievements podcast. So just to start and to open up the conversation, so achievements, success, what is your definition of success? <laughs> I think success is seeing people grow, develop and take leadership. Okay. And do you think you would reflect that? I, I, well, I'm thinking of other people. I yep. think of, have I enabled that? And I okay. know I can identify certain people for whom I've certainly yeah. developed leadership in happy. And would you class yourself as successful? I, uh, that's an interesting question. I, uh, yeah, I'd like to think so. Yeah. Um, happy has changed the lives of many people. So I would like to think that, yeah, I'm successful. So looking at how you've got to where you are today as CEO of Happy Limited. But, uh, or, CHO. Oh, sorry, CHO. Apologies. Yes, of course. What do you think got you to where you are? Do you think it was uh, a product of upbringing or what drives you to be who you are today? That's a whole interesting <laughs> question. I come from quite a high achieving family but was also inbred very clearly with socialist values and feminist values in my upbringing. So it was a desire to achieve and to change the world okay. was what I was brought up with. And the experience, the experience you mentioned news on Sunday, things like this drove mm. me to find better ways to do things. So, yeah. So where did your kind of career path start? When you kind of left school or university, I don't know what your path was. What, what was your first, first I left university and the Liverpool riots had just happened and I wanted to be oh. a journalist. Okay. And so I went to Liverpool to try and write the oral account of the riots and completely failed to do that. Instead, I ended up teaching in an occupied school 
And then I went to work to study job generation in British industry because my degree was economics. So I went to Newcastle University to study that. Went on to work for the Trade Union Studies Unit in Newcastle where my boss was Alan Milburn who grew to fame as Health Secretary later right. on. Right, okay. And then got involved in setting up the News on Sunday which mm. was a radical campaigning tabloid newspaper designed to change the nature of the media. Talk me through that a little bit, because I read an article saying that you'd been involved with that, and it sounded absolutely fascinating. OK, so um, at News on Sunday, we raised £6.5 million. Pounds. This is mid-80s mid as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, a donking to, amount of money. <laughs> a donking amount of money, and we lost it all in six weeks. Oh, wow. The book is called Disaster. OK. Which is fairly um, accurate description of mm. it. Um, it was briefly rescued by a completely crazy Lancashire millionaire who, called Owen Oyston, who later became famous first for going to prison and then for running Blackpool Football Club in such a way that all the fans started boycotting it. OK. <laughs> <laughs> so that was another part of the rather horrendous experience. I did reach an absolute low point. I remember writing mm. in my diary, I can't believe I will ever be happy again. Oh, wow. Oh, gosh, that's quite a statement. It is. Because, you know, we'd, we'd raised the money, we'd employed the mm. people. There was one point where the 1987 election happened just after we launched. And there was one point where I actually thought we would single-handedly lose the election for Labour because oh, wow. it was being seen as a, you know, this left-wing project. Yes. Yeah. And that was, you know, I was getting delusional at that point. But, um, but it's difficult sometimes when things are black to see yourself out of that, isn't it? So being able to get over it and come out the other side is quite a journey. Yes, it, it is. And um, I was involved in something at the time, just a little bit involved in, called re-evaluation counselling. OK. Which is basically one-to-one counselling. I would counsel you, you would counsel me. And in a way, I think it was going to a conference of that that helped me lift myself out because I'd got to the point where I was stuck in my room. I didn't talk to anybody. Mm. And so I managed to re-establish myself, you know, as a yes. sane person yeah. and then left, but left on my terms rather than... And it left about a week before the second bankruptcy. OK. There was a second. Oh dear. There was, yes, yes, yes. Um, it was kept going by Owen Oyston and the TGNU yeah. basically till after the election. And what was your move then? So if it sounded like you'd found a way to see light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So what were your next steps after my, Well, that? my next step was I worked for Left Wing Pension uh, Advisory Organisation set up by the GRC, who um, sacked me after 12 days. Okay. <laughs> so it wasn't the best of years, 1987. Um, and all they ever said was they didn't like my attitude. Okay. I decided I did like my attitude. Great. Um, so that, I was sunk, very badly sunk for a few days. Mm. Um, I met my dad that day, who was in, from Birmingham, so he wasn't normally in London, but that lunchtime was in London. And mm. he encouraged me to see it as an opportunity mm. and not to rush into something new. Mm -hmm. And that was very good advice. So I decided I would never work for anybody else again. I would set up my own company mm -hmm. and work out how you create a workplace that is great to work in, that delivers great service, and that is principled. Mm -hmm. And that's the start of the journey to where we are now. That's lovely, actually. Because, I mean, you can tell from being in this office, and just for the benefit of the podcast, the happy offices in London are 
bright, energetic, enthusiastic, you know, the ethos of the company is coming out of the walls, you, you know, you can really feel it as soon as you walk through the door. And I, you can't fake that, can you? You know, you can't just put up some nice posters and, and, and yeah. fake that attitude, and you certainly can't do it for the... 20, 32 years. I guess can't add up. 32 years it's been going, yes. Yeah. So that's got to be lived and breathed by yourself, but also the team that you bring through it. How do you keep that drive going? And you're obviously encouraging others through the training that you deliver to meet their goals. How do you keep that energy? Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, there've been through that 32 years, there've been ups and downs. Of course, there have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there have been times when it, things went wrong and it didn't feel great. But I have to say, at the moment, it feels brilliant. Perfect. And this, what you see is, and, and feel is, is, is what it's like. Um, mm. I love coming in. I love chatting to people here. I love the work I do. Mm. We do measure how much joy people find in their work. Mm. I've just done the calculation and we're currently at, uh, on average, people find joy in 70% of what they do. That's probably a pretty good average, really. <laughs> but there's one or two people at 90% or 95%. Oh, really? Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. Therefore, I would imagine the brand and the ethos is fed right through to your recruitment strategy in order oh, to get people who are right. Completely. Um, and I try not to advertise for jobs. I tr we have somewhere on the website you can sign up that you're interested in mm -hmm. working at Happy, even if there isn't a job available. Mm -hmm. This is such a simple step that I can't believe more people don't do it. Mm. Just have a sign-up place. Because I'd much rather recruit the people who've been actively looking at our website because they'd like Happy yeah. than somebody who ha randomly sees it on Monster or, or yes, somewhere. Yes, yes. Um, and dilutes so, all that energy yeah. out of it from a job ad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so most of the time we just send one email, mm -hmm. get dozens of responses, all of them who know who Happy are mm. and are eager to work for Happy. And, yeah, we recruit for attitude. And they... Which means, when we, for instance, we try not to ask questions in interviews. Okay. Okay, so talk me through that a little bit then. That's intriguing. <laughs> oh, okay, because, I mean, the analogy I give is with, say, football. Let's say you're recruiting a star footballer. Uh-huh. Right? What would you do? You'd watch them play, wouldn't you? But let's say instead you'd learn from the best in corporate recruiting and you ask them questions instead. You might ask them... When have you played as part of a team or what would be the best way to um, play Germany or whatever? And say your two candidates were, say, David Beckham in his early days and John Motson, who's mm -hmm. a commentator but has never played the game. Who would answer the questions better? Yes. It would be John Motson. Yes, yes. Right? And I think most recruitment recruits the John Motsons of this world. So I see no point generally in asking questions. You get very little out of it. Mm. So for trainers, we get them to train. For techies, we get them to fix things. Mm. For uh, our customer service people, we get them to talk mm. to customers, either real or, 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 mm. or acted. Um, yeah, get people to do the job. That's fabulous. And it seems so simple. Why, why aren't we doing more of that? It's a good question. Yes. There's something that um, it, it seems that you do things differently. Um, yes. And for positive gain, which is quite brave. I think a lot of people, the way things are, they feel like it's just the way things are done and it's taking that recruitment process. If there's a million and one books written on how to do a good recruitment process and which questions to ask, what gives you that element of bravery to go against the groove? Well, I think, coming back to what you said about my upbringing, I think it partly comes from there that mm. I was brought up to question. That's also partly from my Jewish background as well. The whole Jewish culture is about questioning. Okay. Um, but certainly the, the uh, radical idea. So show me a rule and I will think, you know, how can you break that? Yeah. I will never accept something because it's the way of doing things. It's, no, what's the best way of doing things? 
So I will endlessly look for people doing things in more interesting ways. And particularly, you know, are these things giving people freedom? Are they giving people trust? Are mm. they enabling people to fulfil their potential? Or are they stupid rules and processes that get in the way? Are you consciously analysing that or do you think it's almost second nature to you? It's probably quite second nature now, but I'm consciously analysing it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Continuously questioning why we're doing it that way. Yeah. I think um, there's a lot of energy in that, isn't there? Uh, and maybe, again, that's just your nature. But I think there's a lot of people who they feel like, well, if someone's proven that this is a good way of doing it, I'll, I'll, I'll follow that rather than test the water myself. If someone's proven? <laughs> well, that's very that's different. Maybe, yes. maybe my words are, uh, are wrong there. Yeah. There's not much which is probably proven. And I think, especially today, there's so much information accessible on the internet, on Google, mm. you, uh, and so much of it is clickbait, you know, the top yeah, five yeah. tips for this and the top ten yeah. tips for that, all, all of which are, are just there to solve a purpose for Google, you know, analytics, not really <laughs> to provide the best content. So I think there's something quite brave in just always questioning. But I'm always, I'm, I'm an avid business book reader. I'm always looking for the organisations, the, the, whether it's Google or Burtzorg or Patagonia mm. or or Gore, W.L. Gore, who are doing things differently, mm -hmm. who are doing things differently based on, on people, based on a fundamental trust of people. And you take elements of that and put it into your own... Absolutely. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I absorb a lot of business books like yourself, and I have books in my bedroom just full of highlighter tabs where the, the interesting yeah. bits that, that uh, you know that it's much that easier on kindle you can highlight them and then download know, it i know i something still about a little sticky note sticking out of a book that i <laughs> that i really like i know <laughs> it sounds like there were some critical moments there especially in the mid 80s with news on sunday were, were oh, there been quite a few I was going to say, were there, were there others where there was definitely a path of one or another route and you had to make a decision on of one Yes, there have been difficult periods. There have been, you know, I remember in the mid-90s there was a point where, well, for a few months we were expanding so fast we hadn't had time to do the accounts. Okay. And when I did the accounts I discovered we were six weeks from running out of money. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. That's um, tough. Yeah. Because the key, in training there's a key ratio related to training utilisation. Mm. If you don't get that ratio of the cost of the course to the income right, yeah. then everything collapses. Yeah. And uh, we keep it below 50%, the cost of the course, uh, as opposed to the fixed cost, which you have to pay, mm. they've gone up to 72%. Mm. So I've made sure, you know, we, we always, there's somebody who's responsible for keeping track of that, for yeah. instance. It sounds like you probably are quite aware of your skills and maybe your weaknesses, and you have a team around you that can fill the gaps. Would you say that's, that's true? That's absolutely true. You look true. like you're quite self-reflective. Yeah, so we're a great believer in playing to your strengths. Often at an appraisal, you come up, these are your weaknesses, these are your strengths. Now go and work on those weaknesses. That is a waste of time. Mm. Okay? Instead, work out what your strengths are and how you can do more of it. So, I'm yeah, I'm very lucky and yeah. happy in that if people see me get, getting involved in the detail or something like that, they'll say, can I take that off you, Henry? Okay. <laughs> you go out and do a bit of marketing or speak to somebody or this yeah. kind of thing. The thing that I know I'm good at. Yes. So I'm great. The things I'm good at is public speaking, is inspiring an audience, mm. and is the entrepreneurial stuff of coming up with new products. Mm -hmm. But it's very important that I then hand them over because I'll get bored with them. How do you do that? I mean, I think you've been in business a decent amount of time. Yeah. How do you keep 
innovative? Well, always looking for new stuff. Like last year, we analysed what our clients were doing and realised that too many of them were busy but not productive, mm-hmm. which was actually getting in the way of them implementing the things we were teaching them. So we looked at what was making them too busy, and it was email, so we found a solution for that. Yeah. It was interruptions, so we found a solution for that, and then it was meetings. So I put out there, who knows how to run meetings? And in amongst all the people saying, oh, you need a clear agenda, you need all this uh, mm. boring stuff, they were a couple that were really interesting. So, for instance, one was Liberating Structures, which is 33 new ways of running events that involve people and are really focused. So that's mm. one of my key new products at the moment. We, we've had a conference in November. We've got another one in May on how to use these structures to create great great. So that, mm. me, that's a new product. That's mm-hmm. a new thing. My other key thing at the moment is the Happy MBA. Oh, okay. We are launching the Happy MBA in September. What is that going to involve? And, and if you're that? talking about, you know, where does it come from? So we're running apprenticeships. Yeah. We're running a level three management apprenticeship for new managers and level five one for established managers. And one of our clients, Hackney Council, said, can you run a level seven? So, okay, antenna up. Mm. Here's a new possibility. Can you run a level? Level seven is master's. Mm. Master's level. So it is an MBA. Mm. So then, so then you, you know, I said, oh, great, okay, start exploring. Mm. Um, I was at, speaking at a conference last week and somebody afterwards said, what's your next goal? I said, oh, okay, it's the happy MBA. The two people I was talking to signed up on the spot. Oh, really? So you, when you get something like that, you realise yes. that you're onto something that yes. will be of interest to people. So now the next six months will be really exciting for me, mm. developing making the links, getting the people, working out the syllabus and all that kind of thing. Mm. But crucially, I've got somebody else. I will do some of the speaking, mm-hmm. but I've got somebody else who will actually run the thing, yeah. who will do the support of people, who will get the assignments marked, who will do all that kind of thing, yeah. uh, who would not want to do the bit that I'm doing. So the support of others is, is, is crucial. Cons- it's crucial, crucial and constant. Are there any key individuals, you know, outside of work that have supported you along the way? Absolutely. Well, there's Cathy at work, is my managing director, and she's... I don't manage anybody at Happy. Okay. And I can do that because Cathy loves one-to-one. She loves <laughs> managing people. And she takes care of all that side of things. She has a bunch of coordinators who, mm. who, who do that. My wife is pretty crucial. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are, aren't they? Yes, they are, yes, yes. Um, uh, she's you know quite a high-powered uh, individual, and her support is crucial. Yeah. Uh, and there have been other key people through. The, well, everyone is happy is, mm. is, is important, but there have been key people at various stages um, who have influenced. There are a lot of people that have ambitions, and, and, and it's fair to say that you you sound like you have always been driven and ambitious, mm-hmm. but they. Not everybody succeeds even through you know, best endeavours. What do you think's made you different? And aside from that, do you think there's ever any place for luck within the, the scheme of things? Oh, completely. I can tell you of the time, there was the time in the 90s where um, we almost went out of business, but uh, our local council didn't collect the rates for 18 months. That's good. Um, yeah. That was luck <laughs> That's a bit of on the positive side. Yeah. There was the other occasion uh, in 2012 where our dear government decided they would outsource all of their training for, in every subject for every department oh, yes. to one organisation. Yes, I remember it well. <laughs> we came second. 
which meant we lost 25 percent of our yeah, business it was, a tough it was time. most inanely stupid decision yeah, on every ground it was very tough um and giving all your training to capita they, they soon discovered was not a good it idea was, so again yeah. i would say that that was luck yeah. um um there's yes there's a lot of luck along the way but um What's the key to success? Well, every award says that, don't they? I don't know. Um, <laughs> for me, it's about unrelenting positivity, which fits mm? the happy brand. You know, if something goes wrong, it's... Oh. One of my key mentors gave me the idea that uh, go make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Go make mistakes. Don't worry if you make them. Celebrate them. And then work out what to do next. And you mentioned mentors then network and mentorship I think is a crucial part to play are those formal mentors or more of an informal more informal um I mean that one was Sherry Brown who's within the re-evaluation counseling community and and that whole community has been a key influence because the core of that community is the belief Mm. that everyone is good okay everyone is born into this world good intelligent zestful but some of us Lose that along the way. Yeah. We all inherently are there. That the world is a good place. Mm. So these core beliefs are very core to happen. They're very core to me. Unrelenting belief in the goodness of people and the world. Nice. Would you class? It, it sounds like you are, but would you class yourself as a risk taker? Yes. 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 I would like to think qualified risk, but I'm quite prepared to to yeah take a risk on things. I think when you said before about your mentor saying, you know, go make mistakes, um, you learn from mistakes, don't you? I mean, yeah. if you've never made a mistake in your life, you've probably never left the house. That's right, um, that's right. And maybe that was a mis- mistake. Yeah. But so there is, in my mind, an element of risk taking in order to be kind of confident on, on some of the mistakes that you, you make and, and move forward. I yeah, guess you've there's got a healthy to try level of risk, and, Yeah. And there's a whole startup movement out there and the idea of the lean startup, the minimum value products. So the idea is you try, nowadays, that you try stuff. You don't bet the company, you try stuff, mm. see what works, see what doesn't, and, yeah. and move on. But yeah, you're... Iterative changes as you yeah. go. Yeah, absolutely. But it was like the Happy MBA. Somebody said to me today, oh, September, isn't that a bit too soon? Maybe we should take a year over it. And I thought, what on earth would we do in a year that we yeah. couldn't do in six months? Yeah. Let's just get out there and do it. Keep the momentum going. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. You mentioned books earlier and business books. Is there any particular tactics or elements of those books that you relay into Happy? Uh, there's a lot of key books for Happy. One of them was Maverick okay. by Ricardo Semler. I read that in 1992. And at that time, I was a typical small businessman, micromanaging and ringing back for, even from holiday to check everything was okay. Mm. And he describes how he took his Brazilian fridge-making company, which, which under his dad... Workers have been searched on the gates, such as a lack of trust, and turned into place where workers were trusted to decide how things were organised, decide their own targets, choose their own manager, even set their own salary in many cases. Mm. And that completely changed. That was a key influence for Happy in those early days. And, you know, a year later, everybody since then has had the copy of the book. Oh, really? Oh, fabulous. And we've developed from it, but that that level of trust and freedom was key. Oh, I, look, I haven't heard of that one. I will look back up. What was the Ricardo? Ah, here we go. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Ricardo Semlet. Perfect. Ah, oh, marvellous. Have um, you read my book, The Happy Manifesto? I haven't. I haven't. I'm so sorry. There you are. You can have that one too. <laughs> oh, marvellous. Oh, good. Good. Oh, that can be my train home reading. That's Absolutely. perfect. Absolutely. Oh, fabulous. 
Are you, um, if you look at your kind of day-to-day -day a little bit more, um, are you quite formulaic in how you manage things, how you manage your time, or more spontaneous? I, I think I know the answer to this. I'd but. say more spontaneous. <laughs> but, I mean, I believe I'm not busy. Okay. And that's key. Uh, there was um, Inc. magazine put out uh, an, an article saying all the most successful people in the world get up at four o'clock. Oh, I know. I think I read this. Yeah. And there was a <laughs> glorious tweet from a guy called Sam Friedman who said, I thought the whole point of being was successful. You didn't have to get up at four in the morning. <laughs> I don't get up at four in the morning. I get up at 7.20. I have a relaxing <laughs> breakfast reading the printed copy of The Guardian. Mm -hmm. I do the code word. I have uh, meditation. I then cycle gently through the back streets of London. I stop at a cafe for a hot chocolate, take time to reflect. Normally don't get in here till 10. Mm -hmm. I don't check my email till 11. And it gives me time to think about new yeah. ideas, new products, work out what I need to be doing. Obviously, some days I've got a meeting at nine, but, you know, yeah. that's, that's what I've done this morning. I didn't get in till 12. I think um, when you're in a leadership role, and a leadership role that requires innovation, which I would imagine all of them do, time to reflect and think, I think is critical. And I don't think many people actually schedule that. Yeah. Or there's this belief that you have to be up at, you know, up at yeah. 4, 20 yeah, and doing an hours and exercise not and then straight on e email. Everybody yes, needs true. to reflect, yes. you know. Uh, yes. Uh, but one example is that a head teacher told me that she spends two hours on a Monday morning going for a walk in the woods with her dog in her work time. Mm -hmm. Because that's the most valuable time of her week, she says. Mm. And it's interesting, I was with a group this week who are frontline staff who basically said, well, we have to keep busy. You know, if we're not busy, we have to look like we're busy. Mm. And I never quite was aware of how extensive this is. And it's like my nephew told me uh, he's in his first job. Um, he's got about three hours work a day. He spends the rest of the day having to look busy. Having to look busy. <laughs> I want people to be staring out the window and coming up with new ways of doing things. Yeah, yeah. And if you're happy in the job you're in or yeah. driven, then the time is spent wisely, isn't it? Because yeah. as you're thinking about where for yourself and for the organisation where Absolutely. you want to be. Absolutely. But it's like somebody said, one of our members have said to me that she'd got some training from one of our trainers in Mail Merge and suddenly what had been taking her six hours before took her ten minutes. And then she had to fill that time. <laughs> well, no, she's got time to, to think to fill. The point is, she would be so hectic doing the six hours that she yeah. never thought of finding yeah. how to... A better way. Do it, ...finding an easier way to do it. Yeah. And I think if you're in the job you should be in, then you're not sitting out the window dreaming of something else. And if you are sitting, looking out the window dreaming of something else, you probably should be doing something else. And that's, that's okay, <laughs> I think. You know, yeah. if you're dreaming, oh, God, I don't want to be here, then... Yeah, but it's like um, be better somewhere else. we get a lot of organisations mm. and often people are really hectic, really busy, haven't got any time to spare for you, but don't seem to get anything done. Mm. And on the other hand, we organised a couple of conferences with Google. And I know Google isn't perfect, but the one interesting thing was that everybody seemed to have time. They seem to be fairly relaxed. They seem to have time for you. Mm. And yet they get tons done. And there's that, there's something there about the busy, hectic nature that we've got into yeah so when people say oh i'm really busy i say i'm not yeah i know a chap who works at google i might have the numbers wrong but i believe that about 20 percent of their working day they are 
asked to be spending time on a pet project. That, that's it in, doesn't have to that be That is in theory, related. and in some, theory. The best, <laughs> some of the best good of products have come out of it, but I, uh, I know from personal experience it doesn't always happen. Yeah, prob probably that 20% becomes the 120% yeah, over and above that your working yeah. day. Yeah, but that's okay. Okay, and what does a normal day look like for you? Well, it looks is like I've just thing? described. So I'll get in, you know, to the office about about ten. I'll wander around. Uh, well, no, actually, about eleven. Mm. I'll I'll look, see who's around, talk to them, check how they are, uh, check in with them, that kind of thing. And but it might be uh, a speech. It might be occasionally I still facilitate a day, but it's more likely to be working out how to get new things done. Mm -hmm. I have one internal meeting a month. Okay. If you define a meeting as more than two people, mm -hmm. I have one day a month where I have one-to-ones and that one meeting. I try to avoid meetings. Mm. I have some with clients, obviously. But yeah, I've got lots of free time. If somebody get, were to give me something to do now that would take a couple of hours, if it was important, I'd be able to do it. Yeah. Tomorrow, mm. I've got a completely free day. Absolutely nothing in there. Uh, it's quite nice that you're comfortable about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, obviously, it's not a free day. You've, you've got things that you will be doing that yes, are productive. I, I, but, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's refreshing that you're comfortable with that and you don't feel the need to have a, a packed diary. Uh, in fact, I'd seen something on Twitter not so long ago. Someone had taken a screenshot of their diary and put it on as a kind of heavens above, look how busy I am, you know, thing after another. But... Oh, I'll put, I have to put mine on. Feel like, it didn't feel like something necessarily to be overly proud of in my mind. There was no space there for thought. No. There's a very nice little video called Busy as the New Stupid, okay. which has Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, and Bill Gates talking about how his diary used to be completely packed until they met Warren Buffett, who has about two things in there. Mm. You know, Warren Buffett runs a, a, a hundreds of billion dollar empire, you know. Mm. Um, and you, it's a choice whether you're busy or not. Yes, it is a choice. With what Happy does, I would say that learning, it sounds like it's obviously very important to you. It's the ethos of the company. Would you consider yourself a lifelong learner? And what oh, definitely. Sparks that curiosity? Definitely. I learn generally talking to people. I learn at conferences. I learn through books is a big thing for me, learning in book, through books, discovering what other people do, and discovering new things, like on the meeting side, liberating structures and something called LOMO, completely new ideas. That What's are, LOMO? LOMO, I, I can't remember what it stands for, but it's, it, the slogan is hate meetings, love collaboration. Okay. So it's how do you create meetings that energise and involve and that you're really excited about going to? Um, but that's what it's all about. Nice. What would you say is your greatest achievement to date? <laughs> that's... Uh, oh, that's a tough question. I mean, on a personal level, it was seven days through the Alps, three Tour de France calls a day, managing that. What yeah, is, it's known as the most challenging amateur race in the world. I'm a cyclist myself, but not as dedicated yourself. And it is an extreme ride that I'm not sure I would ever be able to you even come with me on it. complete. But yeah, that takes some absolute dedication and... Uh, I would imagine you're hugely proud of that. <laughs> On a political level, I'm still involved in various political campaigns. One of them was Local Schools Network. And I think our key influence was in making people aware academies mm. are nothing special. 
the results of academies are no better than local authority schools and actually our good local authority schools are great and the education select committee when they heard our evidence agreed ah. on a political level that's quite a yeah. big big achievement and on the business level that happy is still thriving after mm. 32 years and that we've made a real difference in people's lives both those who work for us and when I see some of our clients and how they've changed things and they're thriving and particularly when I see a client you know who's been coached to move from 80 hours a week working yeah. and is now able to do just as much in 40 hours yes that's, that must be a nice feeling yeah yeah what advice would you give to your younger self or somebody starting out on their career path today? Go make mistakes. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> that is very nice. Okay, and then just a couple of fun questions just to round it off. What is your favourite book? It's between Maverick on the business side by mm -hmm. Ricardo Semler, the Foundation series by Isaac Asimov. I'm, I, I'm quite a fan of science fiction, mm -hmm. or The Ragged Trousers of Philanthropist, which is a classic socialist novel written in 1912. Do you have a favourite app or piece of technology? Strava. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> For yeah, those who yeah, don't know, yeah. Strava is the cycling app where you can, it measures what you do, but also compares you to everyone else who's ever been yeah. on that road. Yeah. And so you challenge yourself and challenge yourself to beat others who you've never met. Yes. And in the streets of London, there's a lot of competition, isn't there's there? There's a lot of competition, yeah. yes. Yeah. I remember when I first went on Strava, uh, having um, lived up on the Wirral, where yeah. at that point there wasn't very many people on it. So you yeah. not get the same competitiveness. So you, were you queen of the mountain then? Also? I was queen of a lot of mountains, which are now not okay. queen of at all. Um, but so no, yeah, so normally I feel really good if I'm in the top 10%, but there's one or two little segments where I am number two or number one. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you weren't onto the Wirral, you'd probably be absolutely miles ahead. But yeah, it's coming to London and everybody, you know, there's no, you can't compete with it. There's so many people oh. on it. It's a great app, though. Uh, what is your favourite place? Well, I was going to say anywhere on my bicycle. Ah. But particularly, actually, cycling through those Alps. Yeah. On the bicycle getting to the top of those mountains. But the other one is actually Cuba. When we went to mm. Cuba, there was something about it that just made me happy. And I know this is all sorts of challenging you, but something about it that I just felt happy for two weeks. Nice. Yeah, lovely. Okay, that's marvellous. Thank you so much. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, Henry. Um, A pleasure, so have I. Eye-opening, and I think from point of view of anyone listening to the podcast just hearing your story and what kind of motivates you uh, and how you interact with the world how you manage how you lead I think it's really inspiring so thank you so much okay thank you